1: This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello, cheers for downloading. Welcome to We Are Going Up episode 146. Uh, I'm Mark Crossley. This is David Cameron Walker. Hello. Hello. Now, why do you think I'm playing this?
2: Pink Panther. Where were you this weekend? (laughs) I um, I was in the wilderness. I was in the middle of nowhere. In uh, near Buxton in Derbyshire without phone signal or internet for four days (laughs) it was marvellous and you were on a murder mystery weekend yeah well the the Saturday night of the weekend was a murder
1: mystery thing that's why I'm playing this who did it or can you not possibly say well uh, for
2: large spells of the evening I thought it was me
1: (laughs) good but it wasn't brilliant okay well, maybe we'll talk more about that a little bit later. You also went to the National Football Museum, I oh, noticed, in Manchester. I did, I did. Did you see the, uh, the war exhibition? No,
2: <laughs> Do you, you know, know what? what? I didn't. What? I, I was so enthralled by, by the place. I can't speak hardly enough of it. It's the top floor. Um, I didn't get past the first floor. And I was literally, I was, I was just lost. And then a guy kept tapping me on the shoulder. Uh, sorry, sir, we're closing in five minutes. <laughs> I've been there for about three hours.
1: Good, it was Good. brilliant. Uh, yeah, we do recommend you go and yeah. pay a visit if you are in Manchester. Right, we've got some exciting stuff coming up on the show uh, in the next few months. We've had an ingen- ingenious idea since the last show. We're going to pick a weekend in the season where we're going to look at all the fixtures, and then. Randomly pick a game Aren't we Anywhere <laughs> to, in the country To go and do a live show from Yeah So we could be on the 7am from London to Carlisle In a few weeks time Depending on who's playing at home We're not deciding to we do it we Should we draw, draw at the end of the show What weekend though you know, we'll, just, we'll
2: sort that out okay. in the next this recording and okay. we'll
1: do it alright maybe we'll do it today then Um. so uh, we'll uh, we'll do that later also uh, we have got a special coming up with Prostate Cancer UK in the next couple of weeks loads of bits and bobs and remember to help chip in keep the show going we really really would love you to help us out by going to audible.co.uk slash going up and signing up there for a free audiobook it's uh, you know we're helping you out here. you get a free audiobook for nothing you've got a 30 day trial you can cancel before the end of the trial uh, so you get the book and then you sort of don't have to pay a monthly fee or anything that's audible.co.uk slash going up you can also go to our website and if you click on the Paddy Power banner on the homepage, sign up, you get a free 20 quid bet once you bet a fiver. And also, uh, if you go to the bottom of the homepage, uh, wearegoingup.co.uk, you can sign up for a free month for the football pools. You win huge cash prizes, just get 8 out of 10 results correct this weekend. If every single one of you listening could have do at least one of those three things, we will love you forever. There you go. End of message. Uh, later on, we'll talk about a busy fortnight in the Football League, which has seen Cardiff go back to blue. Alex Neal's coming at Norwich. Massimo Cellino's lost another appeal. And Messrs Pearson, Holloway uh, have come under increasing pressure. Uh, one man who has come under increasing pressure and not clung on uh, is Bob Peters, with Charlton having no win since early November. He's been replaced by Guy Luzon, uh, ex-standard Liège boss at the Valley, uh, the addict's fourth manager in just 10 months, or the fourth head coach in just 10 months. Later, we'll be joined by Alex Stedman uh, from the radio show and the podcast Charlton. live to discuss uh, what's been going wrong in South East London. But first, we are going to begin in the black country at Molyneux, where Wolves beat Blackpool 2-0 in the championship at the weekend to make it five wins from their last six games, uh, leaving them just one point outside the playoff places. However, the weekend's match was overshadowed by the news uh, that emerged last week that their former chairman, Sir Jack Haywood, had passed away in Florida aged 91. Haywood was a local lad turned businessman who went on to own his boyhood football team for 17 years before selling the club to Steve Morgan for a tenner. That's right, a tenner. Uh, Back in 2007, he pumped £70 of his own cash into the club, rebuilding Molyneux and seeing them promoted to the Premier League back in 2003. Uh, Joining us on the line right now, uh, later to discuss Wolves' season, but first to talk about Sir Jack, his life and his legacy, is David Evans, who's the host of the award-winning Wolves Fancast, uh, which was named Best Football Podcast at the Football Blogging Awards recently held at the aforementioned National Football Museum. Uh, You can download the Wolves Fancast from iTunes or WolvesFancast.com. Uh, Dave is on the line uh, right now. Dave, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, You were there at Molyneux on Saturday. Was it quite an emotional atmosphere for everyone?
3: Oh, yeah, of course it was. It was quite a a odd day, really, because the game itself felt like a bit of a non-event. When the game started, you kind of got the gist of, oh, there's actually a game on. It it, it seemed to really um, didn't matter, really, for the whole day. I mean, the... Match build up with what Walsh did was fantastic. Um, with a lot of the toques they did to signify that the life of Sir Jack and I think a lot of fans really credited to the club with what they did uh, on that day, especially with the, uh, the Sir Jack motive in the upper Steeball stand and the balloons and some audio of some Sir Jack interviews playing beforehand and just some of the choice music they played. Um, one of the songs they played was uh, Rockin' All Over The World by Status Quo, which was a song that uh, many Wolves fans remember from the playoff final in 2003. It's probably one of the biggest memories I have on the day. And it was just a, it was a great way to celebrate his life, um, and it was just great to kind of be with other fans to to, to remember someone who, especially in my generation, um, he was kind of the, he's become like the first kind of big player in Wolves that have passed away that I've got a, a connection with um, and the people in the past who obviously had such an impact at Wolves, like Burt Williams, for example, who passed away last year. Who although obviously quite saddened by his death, there wasn't that emotional connection because I never got to see him play or or anything like that but with Sir Jack Hayward I remember him being the chairman when I was a little boy and I met him actually when I was about eight years old so it was for me and I think for people my age in that generation it's, it's one of those first people who have virtually passed away that we have that connection with and it was just, I say, it was a sad day, but it was great to celebrate his life.
1: Um, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, there might be people listening to this, obviously, you know, have read a bit about him in the last week, um, but they don't really understand the, the sort of connection that he had with the people of Wolverhampton and specifically uh, with Wolves. Try and sum up what that bond was like for us.
3: Well, I mean, Sir Jack was a fan at the end of the day. He, he, he was a Boyhood Wolves fan, and it's almost like if you became a millionaire and wanted to buy your team and invest in it. That's what Sir Jack was. He invested his money into wolves, and he didn't want anything in return. And I think it kind of was signified with, when he signed the club to Steve Morgan uh, for £10, part of the clause for Morgan buying that was that he had to promise to invest £30 million into wolves. It showed that he didn't want any money for, you know, because he wasn't interested in the money. He just wanted somebody to come in and put as much time and effort as he had done for his love of the club um, for whoever was taken over, um, as I say, he invested into the club. He he went to all the games. I mean, even last season in League One, I'm sure it was against Swindon away on a very cold February night. He was in the away end for it, and he must have been in these, you know, then late 80s, early 90s. So he was just. Uh, I think what was the connection was that he, like all of us, was a fan. He wasn't a, you know, one of these stereotypical American or. Uh, uh, foreign owners who was potentially there just for the money and just to make some money and to say, oh, you know, I've, I own a, a football team. He was there as a fan because he wanted to see his boyhood club, club do so well.
2: And in, in many ways, as you just mentioned there, Sir Jack's passing is sort of symbolic of the changing face of British football, really. As you mentioned, he was a local boy, done good, who invested his money into his beloved football club. And there are a couple of, still, of those characters still knocking about, Steve Gibson... I mean, Dave Whelan at Wigan, Eddie Davis at Bolton. But, you know, there aren't going to be many more coming through in the future, I don't think, in the manner that, that Sir Jack and and his like did. Um, you know, the foreign owners are up and down, all right the way through the leagues now, and it's, it's viewed as a business-making thing, a profit-driven thing. And he was not interested in any of that. All he wanted was Wolves to do well.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you look at football now, it's a bit of a slightly sad state of affairs now that you have, you know, multimillionaires and millionaires coming in who may not have any connection with the team they're buying anything. What is their kind of in gain gain or incentive from it? Whereas, you know, people like, as you mentioned, Sir Jack um, did it because of his boyhood love for the club, you know. And if you look at football now, if your team was being bought out by a multi billionaire or millionaire, you may simply think, well, great, we're going to become the next Man City, but, you know, these owners have every right to to leave because what connection do they have and if you have that kind of strong connection to a team or a love for that team would you be would you be more likely to leave it just for no reason or would you obviously stay around like people like Sir Jack did because you want to you know invest in that team and see it doing well
1: I love the fact that uh, people can have a connection with their football club from the age of five to the age of 91 (laughs) as well. Yeah. There's something quite romantic about that I think. Although having said that, he I've been reading a bit about him the last couple of days and he, you know, he's, let's put it this way, he's a, a bit of a character. Some of the stories um, are incredible. Obviously uh, he spent a lot of his time over in the Bahamas. He was a massive patriot. He um, served in the Second World War. He funded uh, the England women's cricket team in the 70s. Um, gave a million quid to the Gurkhas campaign. He upset quite a few people along the way, including some members of his own family. Um, they all seem to have been suing each other at some point but he was just that kind of guy, wasn't he? That kind of character,
3: yeah. Exactly. I mean, he was a a lovable um, person, really. I I think one of the most famous things that come out in recent years is this whole thing in um, the misquote in the Guardian about how the the Guardian did a piece on him, and the Guardian had printed that he had said that Wolves had the uh, worst team in the Premier League, Um, and what had transpired is what he'd actually said that Wolves had the worst team in the (laughs) Premier League Um, and then obviously I think the the Guardian obviously did did a piece sent a retraction to say that obviously they they made a mistake but you know I don't think he really kicked off about it I think he just made it more of a joke about it that they misquoted but you know he was that kind of down-to-earth, lovable character. And like he said, all the stuff he had done as well off the pitch, off the football field just showed him how, how, how much of a nice person he was. We've long wanted
2: to do a thing on Tea Ladies on this show, haven't we? <laughs> it's yeah. been
3: a bit of an ambition.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I was going to ask how, obviously, he's passed away now, but he, he hasn't been the owner you know, for, for quite a while now. and mm. I don't know whether there's been events already and, and in in ways to honour his legacy at the club already but is there anything new planned to kind of have some sort of permanent uh, memorial for Sir Jack?
3: Nothing's come out at the moment obviously a lot of fans have been asking for a statue to be put up obviously we've got one of uh, Billy Wright and Stan Cullis and obviously there's been a call for um, some kind of memorial statue to be around Molyneux. there was a great suggestion by um, uh, a, a forum site called the Wolves Forum the other day on Twitter, that suggested there was a, um, in a cricket area in Australia, there's a, I don't know who it is, but there's a statue of a, maybe, a, it could be a famous crick, cricketer or someone involved in the game. The statue is is them actually sitting on a seat, watching the game with some binoculars. And someone suggested, could you have um, the uh, famous picture of Sir Jack where he's got his thumbs up at the Millennium Stadium? Could you have... So creating a space in the stadium where it's almost like he's sitting watching the game with his thumbs up. Because as I say, like we've said before, as he was a fan, it's almost like Jack's always with us watching mm-hmm. the game. there mm-hmm. think be something completely different to what you don't get in English stadiums or, you know, any kind of in football in general. Um, but there's been no kind of sighting of the club of planning at the moment at the game on Saturday on our big disused um, video screens which have been working for about 10 years um, well they, actually they, we should
1: mention that we should mention yeah. Molyneux because that I suppose is another one of the, the biggest sort of legacies of his time at the club you know it was a, mm. a bit of a mess wasn't it when um, uh, when he took over in the early 90s and I mean obviously you had the, the extension a couple of years ago I think when you were getting relegated from the Premier League it started to be built uh, it must mm. be one of the, the biggest grounds I would think in the championship isn't it I'm not sure um, but it's certainly a, you know impressive ground now and again that's a, another testament to the money that he put in.
3: Yeah exactly I mean he he built that stadium out of of nothing and I think at the time when it was built it was probably one of the at the time the most advanced biggest stadiums in the country and and it has stood the test of time and it's that we you know he put video screens in there which again was probably ahead of its time and you know okay the stadium probably now needs updating but it's been a good 20-25 years since that thought was even crossed anyone's mind I mean even if the, the stand or the development we're trying to get through at the moment wasn't done, I think people will still be happy with the state at the stadiums in.
2: Now, just to look at this season, I mean, football sometimes has a uh, a funny way of of kind of writing its own story, really. And I suppose this season... If you were to be promoted, it would be a fitting um, season in which to do it, given given Sir Jack's passing. You're only two at one point outside the playoffs at the moment in eighth position. It's been a bit up and down, but recently you've, you've come back strongly.
3: Yeah, I think we're four league wins in a row for the last time I checked. Uh, we had a, a massive blip after a, a really strong start, a stronger start than anyone really predicted. Um, and then the, the, the away defeat to Derby really was a big reality check. of the gap we still have between you know um good teams like Derby and the switches and the Bournemouths in this league um compared to a team which majority still is very league one experience' and still learning uh, but I think the blip has kind of shown us what we need to do to kind of compete with some better teams in the league, and we 're now trying you know we're starting to match our own now. I think if we somehow got promoted this season, it would be a kind of a great film idea of a of a team double relegated and then rising from the ashes and being double promoted.
2: I was at the game on Boxing Day when you played Watford uh, and we were atrocious that day. One of our worst performances all season but in large part because you know a lot of our fans were focusing on how bad we were but I sort of said after the game well you know Wolves were actually pretty good as well. You were really resolute that day. I was very impressed by by your defence. Danny Bart in particular, I thought, mm. I had a really good game. and You've got some strength about you. You've got some big players there who certainly are cut out for Championship football.
3: I think, the, the, especially for the Watford game, a lot of fans, when we went into the game, we knew how well Watford had been doing this season. We were very much like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. I think we could be Derby all over again. And I think the changing to recent weeks has actually been the inclusion of uh, Dominic Guy-Orpha, and Courtney Hawes, who have been both our wing-backs, mm. relatively young, they've got no experience in the Championship at all. Uh, we had some injuries, so Kenny put them in, and they've been an absolute resolution. They, great. they had our but wide men completely
2: nullified right? all game, because we play that system yeah. as well, and our two, our two wing-backs, one of them had to be subbed off, and they just mm. did not have a chance. You had them, you had them in your pockets.
3: I mean, the, the, what was clearly stood out for me for those two was uh, an example of how players are being taught in... Academies now about how um, trying to keep the ball on the ground, how they are comfortable on the ball, taking the time with the ball, skinning it past players. It's a great testament, just not just for Wolves, but um, other academies of the area. And I think as well, these two players look like they've been playing professionally for many years. I mean, Dominic O'Arthur probably has already been touted as player of the season only after five games because I've never seen a player at Wolves make such. A, an impact in my lifetime it's incredible
1: Wow um, well you'll be hoping that one man who can make an impact in fact he already has he's scored in his debut uh, it's Benica he's come in um, from Arsenal he's been at MK Dons hasn't he this season scored twice against Manchester United in the Capital One Cup earlier on um, he's worked with Kenny Jackett before I think at Millwall um, uh, yes he has yeah. yeah. what do you make of that signing?
3: Um, fantastic I've spoken to a couple of the fans who are quite good that go. they let him go they saw him as a, a great prospect for their team going forward um, i say he's done very well at MK Dons this season. And obviously a lot of people have watched the YouTube clips of him scoring against Man United. Uh, when he came on Saturday, so fast. I mean, I, I was quite surprised by how fast he could run. He was able to get around players quite easily. Um, he held his own. And he really gave Blackpool a fright when he came on. Um, I think we've got, hopefully given more time, we've got a great proposition on our hands especially with someone like Nui who will be relying so much on this season. it's probably re- Dicca was probably the reason why we went through that blip, because we've kind of centred all our play around him. And I think once he wasn't in the team for a few weeks through injury, we just seemed to lose our pace and power. I think with someone like a Afobe, he's going to give Jacket a good headache. Uh, with selection is someone he can bring on late off the bench um, to, to yeah, scare defense, defences. And I just think that pace and power is going to give him some good competition as well.
2: And just, just finally, I wanted to ask one about Kenny Jacket himself. I think that he's pretty much he's right up there in terms of one of the best managers outside the Premier League. If you look at the jobs that he's done in the past with Swansea, with Millwall, and then coming to you, and you were in a bit of a mess, it has to be has to be said, sparring down the leagues. He's had a few bad managerial appointments, uh, got you up last season in fine style, and really well this season. And I think it would be... You know, I, I'd love to see him take Wolves up into the Premier League. Cause I, I really think very highly of him.
3: Mm. I mean, we um, spoke to Michael Calvin at the start of the season, who's um, the writer of um, "Family Life, Death and Football." And been on, been on this show. The very man yeah. has been on. Um, We were very lucky to do a podcast with him at the start of the season because he knows Kenny quite well and we've kind of spoke to him about uh, Kenny's management style and he was very much an advocate that um, he he deserves a chance in the Premier League. I think he's someone who does seem to create some kind of family culture within the the football club. He seems to get players rallying around each other. He seems to create a, a big unit that players play for each other and I think we're starting to see that now very much this season at Wolves. You can tell the players are all together when they win and when they lose. There's no real division. I think I think Kenny's highest position in the Championship is something like ninth when um, he got Millwall first promoted. Um, and I think he has got a chance here with potentially a bigger budget to get somebody like Wolfson Premier League. And obviously... When you look at his record, it would be great to see him in the Premier League. We hope, obviously, <laughs> he gets us there. Um, and, you know, there's been times where we've kind of, when people have lost their jobs at Premier League clubs, we've kind of thought, quite well, surprised that Kenny's name's not being touted. Whether it's because he hasn't been a manager near, anywhere near that level could be the question. But if Wolves, if Kenny can either get Wolves into the Premier League or keep Wolves up the top half of the Championship, I don't see why it wouldn't be too long that some. Lower league, as it were, Premier League clubs start looking at his name as a potential manager to come in as a replacement when they get rid of them in January.
1: Well, maybe next year will be his year in the limelight if he manages to get you up. Uh, David, thank you very much for, uh, for joining us. Good to talk to you. Thank you very much for having me Uh, Best of luck for the rest of the season That is David Evans host of the Wolves Fancast uh, which you can download right now from iTunes or if you go to their website WolvesFancast.com Next we're going to change our focus to the team that Wolves are going to be playing uh, this weekend We're off to the Valley because it's all change at Charlton This is the We Are Going Up podcast We've got the Football League covered So Watford 5 Charlton Athletic 0 at Vicarage Road the weekend (laughs) I had a feeling you would pipe up when I mentioned that that was certainly a scoreline that caught the eye uh, in the Championship a result that means Charlton haven't won a game in their last 10 Ouch! in all competitions they haven't scored a league goal since Boxing Day either Uh, they are 16th in the table at the minute and about 10 days ago just after we did the last show pretty much they decided uh, that change was necessary Uh, they sacked Bob Peters and in the process became the 13th Championship Club to change manager this season alone, or head coach I think as he was uh, actually called. Uh, Peter's replacement has been confirmed as Guy Luzon, uh, the former boss of Standard Liège, although he wasn't technically in charge uh, for that game at Watford at the weekend, thank God. That's not one you, you want to start with. Uh, Luzon uh, is Charlton's fourth manager in less than a year, so what do the fans make of all this change? Let's get a view from a man and a writer who contributes to the Charlton Live radio show and podcast, which you can listen to on CAFC Player on Sundays, or you can find it on iTunes. Uh, it is Alex Stedman. Alex, thank you very very much for joining us uh, on the show. Charlton have got their fourth manager in a year. That can't be a stat that sits particularly comfortably with you.
4: No, it's um, it's certainly not one to, to boast about. Um, it has been a very difficult year at Charlton, and I think the events over the past week and over the past few months really have, have left fans alienated and and really really despondent. After what was a really strong start,
2: and not only the fans. Uh, I've heard from from a reasonably well placed source who who knows some of the players. That the players are, are a bit demoralised to say the least with, with the fact that you've had four managers. It's you know I know the results weren't going that well under Bob Peters towards the end, but they weren't doing too bad if you look at the overall picture of the league position and given the good start and it just feels like maybe they're just, every time they get a bit of consistency, you have to start again. And, you know, I don't really think that probably a lot of them are still unhappy, maybe, about about the uh, original sacking of Chris Powell. And you've never really recovered from that in, in many ways. So uh, it's, it's not a good situation.
4: No, as you mentioned, there's been a lot of change, a um, bit of a revolving door uh, for the managers. And there was a lot of fresh faces in in the summer. They did seem to hit the ground running. Um, you mentioned that that we started well and we, we seemed to have found a settled side and we had a, a good way of playing. Um, very distinctive, passing it out from the back. Um, we brought Igor vetter in from Copenhagen um, during the summer. He was fantastic, won the Skybet Championship Player of the Month for August and it really did look like, you know, we could we could defy the odds and maybe even push for the playoffs, but it's dropped off. We've had injuries and suspensions and, and I think the squad depth is what's let us down, to be honest with you. I think we have been a little bit exposed when we have had injuries and people got, you know, square pegs in round holes, if you will, and it's just all caught up with us and unfortunately Peters was sacked last week and I don't want to bravado about, you know, I saw it coming, but I, I did think the signs were there. Um, I saw all our matches over Christmas and I'll be honest with you, I never never envisaged that we were going to win any of them at any point. I mean, we played well in spells, but the confidence was on the floor. You could, you could see it, especially Saturday hasn't helped the 5-0 defeat you mentioned at Watford, that was a really sobering afternoon. It was, it was really poor of Vickridge on Saturday.
1: Well, you, you wrote a piece after that game when you said that Charlton are completely devoid of leadership, belief and confidence. They're a side that lacks their captain, a manager and a sense of direction. Presumably that sense of direction has got to come uh, from the top and at the minute it's a bit confused.
4: It is. I mean, Roland de who he also, owned, he owned a number of clubs, um, Stanley A's been the highest pedigree, but he has this sort of business model where, where he likes to develop young players he, he likes to work with the youth systems, of which Charlton is obviously has a fantastic academy and has a good history for producing good young players. And I think fans, and myself in particular, also feel that, I mentioned the lack of squad depth, I think sometimes there's a the reluctance to move away from that business model and maybe look for players outside the network. I mean, we've just brought in Tony Watt, who was um, not really getting a game at Stanley age. He used to play for Celtic. And I think fans are going frustrated that Roland De because He's got money, um, and we know the investment's there. We've got a new, fantastic new pitch, and he's done wonders for training ground plans. But I think the fans would want to see a little bit more investment in the squad because the lack of numbers and bodies is what's cost us over the winter months.
2: Alex, it's, a, it's an interesting time that you come on now after that defeat against Watford because there are comparisons between the two clubs. We've got owners, as I'm sure you're aware, that in a similar way to Roland um, Du Chalet, they. they, uh, they <laughs>
1: yeah, you can't get away with that. Yeah, I could see you at Chatelet. Oh, I could dear. see <laughs> you were struggling with it. You're looking at it thinking, <laughs> I,
2: wanted this. I was looking at it from the screen. I couldn't pick it out anyway. Sorry. Uh, but it, well, the Pozzo family, you know, they own Udinese Granada. They move players around the free clubs. It's a similar sort of thing. But what they've done is at Watford, they've been from day one. And they still get criticized by some people, but from day one they've been at pains to express to all of the the fans of the club that they want to retain that sense of community club of a family club at Watford. They still do you know a lot of things in the community they make sure that the players that they brought in from the other countries you know really integrate with. Uh, the home-based players get out there in, in the town and you know do all the community visits and training with the kids and all that. And, and th- that spirit of Watford is still there, despite the fact that we've always had four managers this season. That's a bit of a blot on their copybook. But that notwithstanding, they've made a really good impression. And I'm, I don't know if it's been the same thing at Charlton. Has, has there been any uh, effort from Roland to, to really keep that spirit of Charlton alive?
4: It's a difficult one, really. Um... I mean I mentioned the training ground plans and he, he is um, investing in the infrastructure. There's no doubt about that. And we were we were in danger of going into administration last season when Powell left with the bottom of the league. So there's no doubt that, you know, his investment not, has not hasn't necessarily saved us, but we're in a far better financial position than than we were this time last year and indeed a better league position as well, although we've been on a poor run. I for one am just becoming a little bit a little bit disheartened because when, you know, the club comes to announce a new sign in I think you do have a pretty good idea of who it's going to be. I mean, you don't look at who's out of of a game of the age as such, and not that drastic, but you begin to get an idea of where these players are going to be coming from and I just think we need championship experience. I think that's what we need. I think we need, like you mentioned, the Watford players that have come in and really taken to the Watford football club as a whole. I think maybe Charlton could do with a couple more signings like that that not only know the championship, but Maybe going to be around for a little bit longer as well because I get the feeling that players like Yoni Boyans who he's brought in from Stanley Age on a season-long loan, I don't imagine his loan is going to be renewed at the end of the season. Um, Tal Haim, I believe, is a loan signing as well. I, I don't envisage him him being there next year. He, I think he has been a very good signing. I just think Charlton need a couple of Charlton players. I mean, Johnny Jackson, this spoke volumes on Saturday, and he was out injured for the 5-0 defeat, came over to the away end at full time. Um, and stood there and clapped the fans but even he cut such a forlorn figure it was so so noticeable and he's the one man that Charlton fans look to to epitomise the club he's the club captain he's the leader has a fantastic relationship with the fans and, and he really looked disheartened and down after that 5-0 defeat so that was worrying and I think you are right I think Charlton need players that are really going to come in and, and play for the shirt and, and give their all and at the moment I don't feel that the players are bringing in to be honest, perfectly honest with you, are going to do that.
1: And what do you think about the appointment of the new manager? Do you think that's going to improve anything?
4: Not at all. To be <laughs> honest with you, I write a piece on it for London Twenty Four as well. I just think that <laughs> the fan base was alienated anyway, uh, given recent events, and I think this is this has done no favors. I mean, I'm sure you've you've been reading that Alan Kirby'sley was linked with the job and and Paul Jewell was linked with the job, both managers with English experience and and someone that the fans could relate to. And this guy, Luzon's an unknown. Um, I mean. <laughs> you're away, he doesn't have he didn't have a work permit, so he didn't have a manager on Saturday. Um
1: I mean well that's that's a, that's a bad start, isn't it? To a point a manager hasn't yeah. even got a work permit it doesn't bode well.
4: <laughs> it doesn't mean he's falling at the first hurdle really, haven't he? I mean he took training on I think he arrived on the the Monday, I believe, or the Tuesday. Uh took training on the Thursday and then the statement came out on the Friday evening before the Watford game that he wasn't going to be in charge. I mean his press conference um, um live on Wednesday afternoon uh, I tuned in for our Charlton Mars radio show that were broadcasting it, and I was tweeting in and what have you and he didn't inspire me with a lot of confidence and, and a lot of passion and to be perfectly honest with you, it's just my own opinion, but he didn't really look like he wanted to be there. I mean, it was pretty mundane answers, not a lot of um, em- emphasis on, on being enthusiastic at all and sort of run-of-the-mill stuff and for a first press conference, I personally found that really disheartening.
2: Well, I'm interested to know your, your impressions um of, of Bob Peters actually because I, I know you said it, it, it did go wrong towards the end of his spell and the players weren't putting in the performances but I, I saw I've seen a few comments throughout the season from from Charlton fans and, and sort of from journalists who cover cover the games that he's been involved in that he was an interesting character and he had something something about him and that you know that he that, that I saw some people sort of did take to him personally
4: Yeah I, I've, to, I've spoken to him on many occasions for, for, for the stuff that we do at the club and he's a fantastic guy he's very very passionate really threw himself into the job, you know, brought these players in, adhered himself to the fans. He used to play for Millwall and to be honest with you, that's what the majority of Charlton fans associated with him. We didn't know a lot about him. But like you say, he came in, he made a good impression, he was passionate, his goal celebrations, you know, really fist pumping, running down the touchline and all sorts and going for it. But there are rumours that that aggressive nature did spill over once it turned sour. Um, And I think there were some dressing room fallouts. And I think, I think Peter's had lost the dressing room. I mean, I know were not, when he left, we were in 13th position in the table. So I don't actually think it... Although the form didn't help, um, I think it was more the mood around the changing room. I mentioned that um, on Saturday the confidence was on the floor and I think that's just been coming for weeks. I think I, I saw all the games over Christmas, like I say, and the players were shouting and arguing with each other from minute one. Um, Blackburn away, in particular, sticks in my mind. We were 2-0 down after about 20 minutes. And um, after the first goal... We yeah, have a young goalkeeper, Nick Pope, and then PK and Ben were in front of them in the centre of defence. And they all just sort of looked at each other like they'd never seen each other before. After Jordan Rhodes had put, put the home side ahead, and that told you all you needed to know. You could tell just from that image alone, they let's say a picture speaks a thousand words, and that really did. I think the defence in particular, his confidence is shot to pieces at the moment, and conceding five. Oh, I mean, Watford could have easily, I'm not exaggerating, could have had eight or nine on Saturday. It really was that bad. And I just really, really hope that guy on can come in and steady the ship if you will because we are dropping like a stone at the moment I know that um, a couple of years ago Blackpool had a similar uh, good start to the season much against the odds um, and they fell down the league table quickly because games come so quick and fast in this division that once <laughs> once you get into a losing run like we're in it's so so difficult to get out and when the confidence is so low as well it's it's really difficult to pick the side up and go again.
1: Well, I'm just looking at the fixtures you've got. Obviously, Wolves away on Saturday. You've just won, I think, five of the last six. You've also got games against Middlesbrough, Norwich, Brentford and Derby all inside the next month. So it's not getting any easier. easier. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was going to sort of wrap it up there, but you did mention Nick Pope there. I'm actually a Berry fan um, and we've just taken him on loan from you. But I'm hearing lots of good things about him. He was on loan at York, obviously, when they got in the playoffs last season. Is he one for the future that you're a little bit optimistic about?
4: Yeah, most definitely. He's very tall. (laughs) He's a young keeper. He's very tall. He's made some fantastic saves. He's been in the side. And that Blackburn game, uh, actually, that I mentioned before, he made two fantastic stops. But goalkeeper, I think he's about 20, I think, or 21. You have to forgive me, but he's got a long career ahead of him. And I think going back out on line, lower down the football league, like he was at York, like I mentioned last year, can only do him the world of good. Because it certainly looked that way when he came back into the fold at the Valley. I just still think that maybe the championship is a level too high for him at the moment. But I don't think that there's any doubt that within the next three or four years that Nick Pope can become a championship goalkeeper. And I think yourselves, Barry, have got... um a good young keeper on their
1: hands trust me knowing some of our defenders there will definitely be another calamity or two before the end of this season thanks very much for coming on Alex uh, good to no talk problem. to you uh, that is uh, Alex Stemman from Charlton Live remember you can download Charlton Live as a podcast or you can listen to it Sunday nights uh, between 7 and 9pm on CAFC player uh, the show is totally independent of the club by the way and the website to listen to that is charltonlive.co.uk right more in a second the we are going up podcast we've got the Football League covered Okay, so it's time to take a look at what's been going on across the Football League in the last two weeks so you were in Derbyshire uh, the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um and long, long, long term listeners of the show will know that you with uh, you were with uh, Toppo Topo. Stephen Topless. there's, yes. a, there's a blast oh, from right. the past, everyone, as for the old listeners. Um how is he feeling after Nottingham Forest scored in the last minute to
2: beat Derby two one? Uh bruised I think because <laughs> the, the, the the rest of us who were watching the game with us with, with about fifteen of us all jumped on top of him. Massive pile of Was was he reminiscent of Stuart Pearce on the touchline. Yeah and some. Um, <laughs> it was brilliant though, you know because they didn't start too well Derby got that, that goal the own goal from Lansbury and you just you know you're thinking oh God here we go again for Forrest but you know a real um, not a spectacular performance but they dug in you know they did what they need to do to stay in the game they held on longer gets his poacher's goal and a fantastic finish from Ben Osborne you don't shoot you don't score what a strike. Mm.
1: Um, Lee Grant could have done maybe a little bit better on his near post it's there.
2: Very hit so fast though. The pace of the ball in real time if you look at that, it was mm. a superb
1: strike. And that is a real win for the fans because obviously they got humped there 5-0 last season. Mm. Uh, Been in a bit of a a shocking run, but um, a huge win for Stuart Pearce. Obviously, Danny Mills came out and kind of got involved. Tried to jump on the Pearce out bandwagon. Uh, Listen to Forrest's next five games. They've got to try and build on that. They've got Fulham away, which has probably been played by the time you hear this. I think that's on Wednesday night this week. Then they've got Millwall at home, Brighton away, Wigan at home, Blackpool away. So they're playing four of the bottom six in the next five games. Um, so that's a chance to get some points on the board mm-hmm. and get back in contention uh, for that playoff spot. Disappointing defeat for Derby, that though, wasn't it? I think they were only side in the top eight to lose over uh, the weekend. Uh, they've lost Jordan Ibe too because he's been re- been recalled by Liverpool.
2: Yeah, which is a disappointment for them. But they do have a big squad one of the one of the, the better squads in in the uh, in the Championship, and that will be a bitly disappointing defeat for them because quite simply they are you know on form and and I I'd, I'd say pretty, there's not much between the two sides necessarily on paper squad wise but you know they will have gone into that match expecting to win and they and they haven't and it's a blow because the the, the teams at the top of the championship are, are all putting points on the board every week at the moment.
1: Can I just say on a purely personal level uh, obviously you know everyone's got their own opinion on Stuart Pearce as a manager but I think it's great that the majority of Forest fans are still with him yeah. and stood still by him. It's yeah. just nice to see that in football. I know he's a club legend so he gets slightly more leeway but I always like it when Uh, fans stand by a manager and he comes good not saying he will but obviously that was a good win at the weekend Uh, right top of the table talk to me because uh, Bournemouth won 2-0 at Rotherham over the weekend to stay top of the pile Tommy Elphick and Callum Wilson uh, but they are playing Leeds United away uh, as we record in fact I think it's just finished Doesn't it? just
2: finished and they've lost 1-0 to Leeds
1: which is is a huge win for Leeds second defeat in three for Bournemouth as well Mm. Uh, obviously they lost at home to Norwich uh, just over a week ago Um, they will stay top for the time being Uh, the other game tonight was remind me
2: it was Middlesbrough v Cardiff at the Riverside and Middlesbrough have won
1: 2-1. Well, have they gone top then? I can't. Uh, I haven't got the table in front of no, me. No, they've gone oh, top. Oh, no, they've gone one point off so they've gone into second. Second, yes. I think uh, Ipswich were in second. They won 3-1 at Millwall at the weekend. Noel Hunt getting a brace. Jonathan Parr with the other and that was a Millwall side who were battered 4-0 by League One Bradford in the FA Cup in midweek. Ian Holloway reacted by making eight changes uh, for Saturday. He brought in Diego Fabrini on loan uh, from Watford. Uh, one winning 14 for Millwall. They are three points. From Safety Holloway is under massive pressure. He is every Mill- Millwall fan. man whenever I every I've seen fan
2: I've spoken to and heard from, seen on Twitter, has, has seen, seemingly lost patience with him. And the the main criticism that keeps coming back, time and time again, is just that he keeps chopping and changing the team constantly, formation wise, selection wise. They've had, they've very had, had a, you know, very rarely have they ever had a settled defence. You know, weird substitutions, playing players out of position, and. It just seems that he doesn't know what he wants to do this season. And he made all those, you know, after that 4 0 against Bradford, he made sweeping changes at the weekend. And I do think that from what I hear, the performance was better. Uh, but he made a 19 year old captain in the defence, which, you know, is a bold move. And it's a difficult situation as a 19 year old to be coming in and captaining a team in a relegation battle in the Championship. So um, it's quite a it's big job. It's yeah.
1: quite a big job for him as well because his stock will fall considerably oh, after absolutely. Palace and Millwall. Yeah. if... if you know, if he doesn't turn it around um, some more transfer news uh, sticking with Ipswich obviously won that game uh, 3-1 they're in Paddy Kenny on loan <laughs> as a backup keeper to the end of the season and also Freddie Sears from Colchester for an undisclosed fee um, I'm pleased for him because his career had stalled a little bit and he dropped down the divisions but done well in League 1 this season so he's got his move uh, to Ipswich playoff spots at the minute in the championship well obviously Middlesbrough were in them they've just won tonight to to go into second also Brentford and Watford are in the playoff places uh, wins and uh, for those sides at the weekend for a beat Huddersfield. Great goal from Lee Tomlin in that game. Obviously just beat Cardiff tonight. Uh, Brentford won 1-0 at Brighton. Nine wins in 12 for them. They roll on. And uh, first win of the year in fine style for Watford. 5-0 against Charlton, as yeah. we've, we've already mentioned.
2: And uh, an honourable mention for Odeon Icarlo, who is in good form for us at the moment. A lot of the focus is always on Troy Deeney and Matej Vidro. But Vidro has not scored for quite a while. I think it's 11 games now. He's not scored for us. And he's been a little bit off the boil. Jukanovic has been talking about... He needs to play well for the team as well as trying to maybe, you know, play well for himself. And Igalo's come in the team over the last few games. He scored three in his last two games. Uh, could have had a few more on Saturday against Charlton. Uh, he's a really hard-working player. Got a bit about him, a bit of skill as well. And I've been very impressed with him over the last few few months.
1: Uh, two wins in two for Alex Neal, the new Norwich manager, and we did our. Show, uh, the in- big interview on the show last time didn't
2: have his name in the frame, <laughs> did we? <laughs> we didn't, um, and has
1: gone, yeah, yeah, he has gone today, hasn't he? 33 year old boss of Hamilton Academicals. He wasn't top of our list, was he? No, when we were looking, day I, uh, I
2: did. Although, con- what contenders. I did say was, uh, I did make the point that they should try and go, you know, go maybe lower down the, the leagues or or pick someone in the mould of when they got Lambert before a sort of up and coming manager, and that's what they've done. Um, I didn't expect it to be, you know, <laughs> them to go up to Scotland and do it, but you know, fair play to them. Mm-hmm. It's a, bold, it's a bold appointment
1: yeah 3-2 win against Cardiff to follow up that win at Bournemouth um, and that was the Cardiff side who were playing in blue and that's something that's yeah. changed since we last did a show so well done to the Cardiff City supporters trust everyone who helped keep the pressure on there it just feels right doesn't it yeah. just, just when you watch them that's Cardiff City that's the Cardiff City that I know quite surprised that he changed his mind though
2: yeah well, so I mean as am I. I didn't, you know, because he made such a song and dance about the reasons for doing it. You know, it's got to be to improve the Chase commercial the standing of the club and all that. And eventually, he's relented. And I suppose you've got to say, you know, fair enough to him for doing that. It, you know, it it takes a takes us, you know, a, a brave man sometimes to admit that he was wrong and for whatever reason this has happened the pressure from the supporters have finally won out and you know by hook or by crook they've done it and it's a good thing for the club
1: Some painters in Cardiff are getting a hell of a lot of work at the minute because he changed that top tier to all red didn't he yeah. in the side Change that back lads uh, Four goals in the last six uh, four goals in his last six games for Darren Pratley and Bolton they scored he scored again they won 2-1 at Hillsborough uh, when I was in Japan uh, last year I was on holiday with uh, two mates both Bolton fans do you know the song that Bolton fans sing about Darren Prattley? no do you know uh, Paparazzi by Lady Gaga Oh yeah, you know this tune. Okay. Here we go. I'm your biggest fan. I'll follow you until you love me. Darren, Darren Pratley, that's it.
2: There
1: you go. Is he deserving of a song? Well, he is at the minute. Four goals in his last (laughs) six games. Um, And maybe he'll be scoring again at Anfield in the FA Cup at the weekend. And Bolton only 10 points off the playoffs. (laughs) They're going to bloody do it. Uh, Blackpool, Wigan, who are five adrift, by the way. Um, And Millwall in the bottom three. Uh, Rotherham and Leeds just above. Uh, Leeds, obviously, great win tonight. In fact, they'll be obviously a bit further clear now. Our script, is
2: only, move one Our script is already out of date and we're actually recording well, They'll the move show. up one position to the 19th.
1: Um, uh, Chilino has failed another Football League appeal though. Meaning but he he's... can come
2: back in April, can't he? <laughs> yeah.
1: so... He's now prohibited from having anything to do with the running Ridiculous. of the club until the 10th of April. So quite what happens now. I do not know your guess is as good as mine if you well, want to
2: hear, why is he only banned till then because
1: that's when the, the conviction spent we did all this didn't we uh,
2: that's stupid isn't it? <laughs> if you go back um was it uh,
1: Daniel wasn't it that we had on yeah um, a few weeks ago so you, or a few yeah, shows back so if you go and check that out on the website we are going up.co.uk you will find it there interleague 1 then um, well, it's pretty much business as usual at the top. Swindon Town, the juggernaut, rolls on. 3-1 win at Chesterfield, against Chesterfield, sorry, at home at the weekend. That's eight wins in ten. Andy Williams scored again too. He's got 18 for the season, joint top scorer in the league. And he's been quoted as saying, we're just a group of friends, really, which is the best part about it. We all get on so well. I hope that drives us forward in the coming months. It's a great feeling at the moment. What we need it's to one know, of the best teams I've ever played well, in. Well,
2: what we need to know, uh, if we're talking about players and chance. Surely, surely Swindon fans have got to be singing the appropriate song for Andy Williams
1: well what do you mean music to watch girls by or a variation of or any of his tunes
2: George too good to be true oh of course can't take my eyes off
1: you yeah Yeah. well we're getting that up as well
2: I love you Andy
1: (laughs) yeah okay um, it's a good show it's a good fans show. get in touch at Wagyu Podcast um, but they're doing well aren't they it's extremely well those two managers Mark Cooper and Steve Cottrell they might get overlooked at the end of the season for you know uh, footballing manager of the year or whatever but they've both done a very very and good I always,
2: job I always like it when a team wins 3-1 or whatever when it wins by a couple of goals and the manager afterwards isn't happy yes it's a good sign I think
1: um, uh, four wins in all comps for Bristol City since we last did a show they won 2-0 at Scunthorpe at the weekend who lost both of their recognised keepers before half time with broken arms um, Sam Slocum and Jamie Seven, so keeper, um, outfield player in goal, Claxon uh, for the majority of that game, and uh, Bristol City also won two 0 against Doncaster in the FA Cup in the replay last week. So they play West Ham at home, live on BBC One on Sunday this week. What an opportunity to put on a show and show the uh, the general population what they've been sort of dishing up in uh, in League One, and obviously they could be off to Wembley for the JPT as well.
2: Yeah, it's all happening. And it rolls on and on, and Jay Emmanuel Thomas looking in fine form. Against Scunthorpe at the weekend, and you know he's a player that they want to rise. You know they want him to ride to the big occasion against West Ham when he when he's fit and when he's firing, when he's in the mood. I think he's a player that could cause him trouble.
1: Did you see the bit on the news uh, or on the, the sort of the football league or Sky Sports news of the week about the Bristol City fan who lives behind one of the ends and they're redeveloping the stand, oh, yeah. so he's basically just standing on is it a crane or a balcony? Something set up in next to his house, built Three an extension like just so he can stand. He's there Built an extension just to do it. <laughs> I'm not sure if he has actually I think I made that up. Um, <laughs> Uh, Sheffield United speaking of uh, cup ties they play (coughs) at Spurs on Wednesday night again that might have happened by the time you hear this in the first leg uh, but they lost 1-0 at MK Dons in the league Mm, it's the same old story Uh, 18 points off the top two and they're out of the playoffs now surely they couldn't fail to make the playoffs that would be a catastrophe especially considering their uh, Yorkshire neighbours Bradford are above
2: them at the minute in the league one Uh, Bradford another team with a cup on their mind though as well well yes
1: what a tie they've got at the weekend Stamford Bridge Away at Chelsea. You still got your flag? I've still got my flag, yeah. <laughs> Take I'll it get on it down down out. There. There. Yeah. Um, Peterborough lost again at the weekend in League One, 2-1 away at Port Vale. That's just five points from the last 36. They are down in 15th. Uh, remarkably, they're only five points though off the playoffs, so still a chance of getting in. Now, um, obviously, we've got to talk about Darren McAntony at this point and his um, his rant last week. If you didn't see this on Twitter, he absolutely let rip. Um, I've got it all written down here. It's going to take me about ten minutes to read it all out. Basically, he was just laying into the, the squad, the players, the kind of thing fans do, and kind of write it on Twitter. But not many. of
2: The where, chairman. Where do you club. stand on that then? Do you think it's a good thing or uh, should he kept it in house?
1: I'm not sure. Um, as a fan
2: of a as a fan of Peterborough, I mean, I'm just trying to think what I'd think if one of, if our chairman did that, like. On the one hand, I think
1: I I like I'd like I'd, I like the honesty, yeah. but I I just don't think it's going to be good for morale. R- will it
2: be good in the long term? And, and I suppose that entirely depends on the characters within that football club. Are they going to be the types that respond to it and think, right, he's, he's given us a real rollick in there in public. We've been shown up here, and we need to prove him wrong. It's also or th- are they going to be the sort of goes right? Well, if you're going to say that, mate, you want to see me play bad, or you'll <laughs> wait, you, you just wait. And well, I'm well it's also
1: one thing uh, having a go at the whole, you know. Team or squad in one go, but picking on individuals like you did in some of the tweets, like, yeah. peed off that player of Joe Neal's ability can miss an open goal from five years, five yards out. Uh, he should be scoring 10 15. I'm sorry, am I boring you over there? he should be scoring 10 15 goals a season. I mean, that's where it gets a little bit. You think
2: is there any need to be quite that? You're kind of nitpicking well, in individual little incidents. Yeah, of course, these players should be doing better, they should score chances when they've got when they're presented to them, but. It's not as simple as that, is it, all the time? You know, there are broader things as well. And I mean, it's interesting because before the, he did that rant on a Saturday night, I was looking at that result and I was seeing some unrest from Peter fans, saying, some of them saying, we want Darren Ferguson out. And you'd thinking, right, okay, maybe this could happen. And then is very much aimed his, aimed his cannon at the players and not really at the manager. Which is interesting, you know, because usually it's the manager who's the one that takes the fall. But and the people say, you know, the the, the typical complaint from particularly from ex players and stuff is and pundits is well, why why don't the players get more blame? well they are now so that's an interesting (laughs) situation watch this space
1: Uh, Gillingham beat Coventry 3-1 they've got a little bit of breathing space just above the drop zone Orion uh, drew 2-2 at Preston live on the telly on Friday they're just outside the Mm. uh, relegation zone on goal difference really good interview in the Evening Standard in London today Um, Mihir Bose has done a piece with Barry Hearn Um, I recommend reading that on the London Evening Standard website basically sort of saying to um, Francesco Bocchetti plus like you off the pronunciation earlier I've done exactly the same thing there um about the fact that um he sort of said when Bocchetti took over that you know I'm always on the end of the phone you can call me about anything and he's not had a call at all all season and obviously they've gone for him going through various managers and they've gone from the playoffs right down to just above the relegation zone Um goal of the weekend in league one Billy Daniels for Notts County against Crewe I reckon that was a screamer and uh, they remain a uh, crew in the relegation zone alongside Colchester uh, Yovalu picked up their first winning ages at home against Bradford and Crawley who are on a shocking run at the minute they lost again at the weekend I did have that written down somewhere uh, hang where is it yeah they lost uh, 4-1 against Rochdale and Rochdale play Stoke at Spotland in the FA Cup on Monday next week in front of the TV cameras they are on a great run. I think they've won every game so far in 2015. Mm. So
2: um, even that man Calvin Andrew, who I slagged off so <laughs> yeah. badly pre-season scoring, and he's doubled his career tallies. To be the fair, TV,
1: like that. the keeper did hit, hit it straight at him, <laughs> and it rolled in. He didn't actually sort of physically put it in the net; it just bounced off him. Uh, League two. Um, what do you make of the conditions actually at Rochdale and Bury They were both kind of pretty right, similar, tremendous. weren't they? Nothing
2: like a good game of football in the snow, mate. Isn't that, it?
1: that first goal that we scored against Wickham at the weekend. The guy, Paul Wickham defender. If you haven't seen this, it's sort of three yards out on his own, basically in front of his old goal line, and just can't sort his feet out and one of our players Danny May just flies in to just Deflects it in the net, basically. Um, they've got the best away record in the league, though. Uh, Wickham, they managed to get a point. That's nine games unbeaten. Um, one clear of Burton, who drew 1-1 one, one as well away at Portsmouth. Uh, Shrewsbury smashed a uh, three past Hartlepool. They stay third. Uh, the biggest upset... Collins
2: goal was nice for Shrewsbury. I like that. The little 1-2 with a header. Yes. Um, perhaps
1: the biggest upset, though, just looking at the results up there, was Newport getting tonked 4-0 at Cambridge because mm. uh, they've been in really good form. Uh, Cambridge now with a bit of a... Bit of momentum going into Friday live on BBC One again. It is Cup Weekend. Cambridge United against Manchester United. That's going to be uh, an interesting one. I love the fact that Yeovil yeah. and Cambridge have got home games as well. Yeah, against against United this season. It's
2: going to be it's going to be tough, but you never know, Mark.
1: Uh, playoffs look like this: Luton won one 0 at Plymouth, uh, Newport themselves Southend who won at Oxford and Stevenage. Where the bloody hell have Stevenage snuck up from? Mm. Uh, they're in the playoff spots. So we're down in. Yeah, I'm still scrolling. Uh, tenth at the minute, which isn't good. Uh, bottom two are Hartlepool, of course, and not looking good for them, is it? The Daggers, who lost one 0 at Northampton, Hartlepool are just the nine points away from safety, and we'll yeah, have look a- at that goal difference <laughs>
2: minus twenty eight
1: as well. Twenty four goals to make up on the goal difference. Um, right, so that's what's been going on. A very quick sort of brief sort of detour of things that have been happening in the football league over the last two weeks. Now, on we've picked today, we mentioned this right at the top of the show, for the uh, live, another live We Are Going Up game. This is our first live one since Bonfire Night, which is at Fulham. We're going to do this on the 28th of February. We've mm-hmm. decided on that, haven't we? So, Saturday the 28th of February. Um, so, this is the bit where I sort of don my Mark Chapman suit and say welcome to the draw uh, for the uh, We Are Going Up live episode on Saturday the 28th of February 2015. So, basically, we've looked at all the teams who were playing at home in the Football League that day excluding the teams that we've already sort of done live shows from. So for example, Charlton and Luton are excluded. Um, But the rest of them, 30-odd of them, we could be coming to any one of those places uh, to do the show. So the furthest we could be travelling to, DC, I think is Carlisle. Fancy a nice journey up there. See, I've been to Brunton Park already, so I'm not too keen on that. This is an opportunity to add a new ground to to the amount that you've done. I think I've done 45
2: out of the 92. Yeah, hang on a minute. No, no. Carlisle are not at home. Oh, at they're then. not? Oh, it's no.
1: Hartlepool. Sorry, Hartlepool.
2: Yeah. Carlisle so. are at South End that day. Okay, but. so sorry. Hartlepool are at, are at home. So that's, Saved. <laughs> that's
1: the longest journey. We could just turn up at Carlisle, like that one we did over Christmas at the Olden I mean, Gate.
2: Hartlepool would be quite a good one, really, I suppose, going literally to the very bottom of the football league. Yes, it could be. So
1: that is uh, one option. We can get um, a
2: chat with Hanks the Monkey.
1: We could. Um, Berry are at Plymouth, so I wouldn't mind that that day. And you are at Watford Leeds. Play
2: Leeds at that. I've never been Road. That'd be nice I've never me. been to Elm Road either.
1: Uh, so what you've done um, is uh, you've cut up little pieces of yeah. paper. It took me far too long. We did. It did. Terrible After way. we'd spoken uh, a little bit earlier to uh, to Alex. You, in my paper bag. You did all that. So um, you've got the paper bag. We're ready for the draw now. How do we want to do this? Are we just going to draw one team out, or do you want to do a couple? This is what you could have won, kind of thing to build the tension. Okay.
2: Tell you what we do, right? Okay. Drum roll, please. It's I'm, on. I'm going to draw out. Three teams. Yes. Okay. The third team is the one that we're going to go to. Yes. The first two are going to be yeah, what you could have won. Okay. And um, backups, if for uh, if for uh, example something terrible happens and all the trains to Hartlepool don't work and cost 175 pounds for a single, so well, I'm sure they won't. That's but, kind of likely. You know, we need we need a, we need contingency here. Okay. Hartlepool. Here we're we entering go. Entering the un- the unknown. So first, the first of our two backup options are
1: is I'm nervous. I'm very nervous right now. We could be coming to you Okay Except we're not Because you just missed out Coventry Coventry You just missed out Who are they at home against? Uh, MK Dons So we were nearly at Coventry MK Dons Not quite happened Okay So the second team To miss out Give them a a shuffle Is Oh so close Hartlepool It's Hartlepool Oh no Okay So Hartlepool Just miss out we're going to end up somewhere terrible here are we this is it it's all on this one we are going up live special 28th of February 2015 is coming from I've got it choose carefully I've Walker got
2: it. you opening the paper we're going to have to give Darren McCartney a ring mate we're going to Peterborough <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're going to go to me. I'm
2: trying to look at the game
1: where is it OK, well, I've never been to Peterborough, so that'll be good. Uh, it is... Home to Bradford. There you go. Peterborough against Bradford. We're off to London Road on... Uh, it's not se-
2: FA Cup that weekend, is it? Uh, what did Bradford get through?
1: <laughs> oh, God, we're off to Hartlepool in that case. <laughs> get searching you do that while I do this bit um, so uh, that's where the uh, the live show is going to come from at the end of February so looking forward to that um, you can download the Acast app by the way which is a brand new app which is available right now for the iPhone you can get it from the app store also available for Android Google Play uh, you can listen to the show on there and um, in the coming weeks we can add sort of pictures and videos at specific bits when we're talking about certain stories um, so uh, please go in there and uh, have a look at that because it's, it's really really cool uh, that is available on the iPhone and also Android as well also if you go to audible.co.uk slash going up you can sign up for a free audio but courtesy of us if you're a new listener please do take advantage of that um, you can have it on a nice long train journey or a flight or whatever you're doing and also you can cancel before the end of the month so you don't get charged Paddy Power uh, offer is still available via wearegoingup.co.uk click on the Paddy Power offer on the slider sign up for a brand new account there if you bet a it you get a free 20 quid bet and finally if you sign up Sign up for a free month for the football polls and get 8 out of 10 results right. Uh, You get a big cash prize. Do you have any luck
2: betting at the weekend? I did, actually. Not an oh, yeah. accumulator, but I uh, had some money on Forrest to win 2-1. Oh,
1: nice one. Um, so we are going up.co.uk, Football Pools is down at the bottom there. The Twitter is at Waggy Podcast. Facebook is uh, facebook.com slash Waggy Podcast. So is the Instagram website. It's wearegoingup.co.uk. So Peterborough versus Bradford.
2: Yeah, it's not, there's no FA Cup that
1: weekend. We're okay, fine. you can bring your flag, mate. I've just realised. Oh, I can, yeah. Yeah, well, We're going we're to have to sit at home in there, won't we? we have okay. to mix in with the Peterborough fans. Right, with there the you posh. go. We'll discuss this. Um, thanks for listening to We Are Going Up. We'll speak to you next time. This is the We Are Going Up podcast.
2: We've got the Football League.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh.